0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Jonas Saller Show. I'm really glad you're here. I'm your host, Jonas Saller. I'm an entrepreneur, a strength coach, and the owner of Frontline Strength. And if you've never heard of me before, please check me out on social media accounts, either at Jonas Saller or at Frontline Strength. Also, at the beginning of this episode, before I get into stuff, I want to announce that I have started a Patreon. And Patreon is basically a place where you, if you love my content, like what I'm doing... If you want to support me, you can. So basically, I have different tiers set up. I've got a $1 tier, a $5 tier, and a $10 tier. And depending on how much you want to give monthly, you get stuff for doing it. So basically, you help me grow my business, and I help you by providing you some valuable content that only people who are supporters of me on Patreon will receive. It's a pretty great deal, and I would encourage you to check it out, especially if you like what I'm doing. It would mean a lot for me uh, to get that support from you. So... Thank you so much if you're considering that. And anyways, let's get into episode seven today. So I really, really, really want to talk about the message of grace in this episode. And more specifically, not just the message of grace, but how grace is involved intricately in our ability to carry out the Christian walk. I think that this is one of the biggest things that's missing in the Christian church today. We preach the gospel of grace as a means to be saved, but we don't preach about the gospel of grace as a means to actually live the Christian walk, right? If we're dead to sin and slaves of righteousness, which I talked about in the last episode, then our actions are going to obviously match that. But all too often, we take matters into our own hands, And we start trying to live our lives according to rules and regulations. And we set up, okay, here's some moral laws that we can follow. Here's some moral rules we can follow. We sometimes will open Bible studies, hoping and searching that they're going to provide the 10 tips to being a better Christian or the 10 things that you should be doing that'll help bring you closer to God. And when you do that, what you're really saying is that Christ's grace is enough to save me, but it's not enough to change me. And I want to I want to go into the Bible today. I don't want this to be my words. I want to go into scripture today and pull out exactly why grace is the actual means by which we live the Christian life. So, let's start in the book of Titus, Titus 2 Chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Okay? And most people, they'll read the verse and they'll stop there, at, at least in terms of how they apply grace to their lives. They'll read that first part and be like, Yes, exactly. The grace of God appeared and it brought salvation to all people. Wonderful. But if you read on, it talks about how grace is actually in intricately involved in your life listen to this for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age did you hear that it says that grace is there to bring salvation for all people and then it does not go on to say And because we have that, now go out and buy the Bible study that's going to teach you how to live the Christian life. Okay, now that we have that, go and read your Bible and figure out exactly what you got to do to follow the commands. No, it says that grace, the grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So right now, right here right now, what I'm seeing the Bible telling us is that grace is the crux of everything grace is not just what saves us grace is what gives us the power to live a godly life listen to second peter 1 3 it says his divine power talking about god's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence so god's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness so again, this is not something that we are trying to do on our own. This is something that has been gifted to us through grace. And when we receive God's grace, we are, we are receiving his spirit. In Hebrews, it says that, or Ephesians, one of the two, I don't have it pulled up, but it says that we are joined as one spirit with God when we receive salvation. And when we're joined with him, why do we sometimes think that his, his spirit is not going to enable us to change? Why, why is it that we read that we are dead to sin and alive to God, and yet we still think we need some moral laws in place to help keep us living upright? Paul explicitly says that the law kills, but the spirit gives life. So why would you marry yourself and bind yourself to something that will kill you? The law can't save you. The law can't change you. The law can only point out your sin. Grace, grace, when it comes in, when it swoops in, not only saves you, but it also changes you. And listen, if you're struggling, right? Because we all struggle. We all struggle with sin still. The flesh is still weak. Just because we are dead to sin, I want to clarify this, because I've had some people specifically on TikTok where I do a lot of talking about the Bible, I've had some people say, hey, are you saying that because we're dead to sin that means we don't sin? No, but I am saying that our flesh is what is sinning now. It's no longer our true selves. Our true selves are in Christ, intimately involved in Christ. So we can't look at our sins as a... As a uh, barometer of who we are. We have to look at our sins as what it actually is, which is the flesh taking over. And when we give in to that, we're not acting in accordance with who we actually are in Christ. So listen to what Peter says about people who maybe are struggling or are lacking qualities. It says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So what he's not saying is that, hey, if you are lacking these qualities, you better go out and find them. You better go out and start working towards them. What he's saying is if you lack these qualities and you're in Christ, you are forgetting who you actually are. You are forgetting what you actually have. You don't need to go out looking to get these qualities. You've got them built into you. And more importantly than that, what he's saying is you have Christ built into you. I think we sometimes overlook that, that when we receive salvation, when we receive the saving grace, we receive the spirit of Christ, and he becomes one with us. You have the deservability of Christ now. When God looks at you, it's not that he's looking at Christ standing in front of you, blocking his, blocking your, his, the view of you because you're so sinful and he can't look at you. No, he's looking directly at you and you have made been made perfect through Christ. And that grace that we possess, that grace that's been just unbelievably poured out upon us regardless of whether or not we deserve it, which we don't, that grace has the power to change us. So if you're lacking in qualities, if you're lacking, if you're walking in sin and struggling with the flesh, let me tell you, it's not because you're not doing something. It's not because you don't possess something. It's not because you have to go out looking for it. It's because you are forgetting who you actually are and just how cleansed you are. And it may seem counterintuitive. Some people will say, well, if you view yourself as perfect and you view yourself as having grace that will never run out on you doesn't that just give people a license to sin what i will say to that is absolutely not because if you view yourself as perfect if you view yourself as fully cleansed with grace that will never run out why would you want to sin why would you want to dirty something that is so picture perfect why would you want to do that to yourself why would you want to contradict the very nature that makes you you now that's like, I'm going to give the example of training, of course, but that's like me saying, you know what? I'm really focused on being the healthiest version of myself possible. I'm going to lift every day. I'm going to eat really well. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm going to eat really well, and I'm going to take care of my body. And then you go and you see me open an entire bag of, of marshmallows and cupcakes and cookies and i start just stuffing myself with them and on days when i want to work out i go ah you know not today not today now would you say man that guy's doing a great job of being healthy absolutely not you wouldn't it it goes against who i am i'm saying one thing but I'm acting in a completely different manner. So it contradicts. If you are cleansed, if you are perfect, which is something you didn't do, it's something that Christ did, then why on earth would you go to something that is so contrary to the new nature that you've been given? If you view yourself as a sinner still, if you view yourself as messed up and a a filthy wretch, then of course, sin. Sin's going to come easily because that's how you view yourself. You've got to change your perspective on who you are. And when you do that, you will realize that everything... Everything has been granted to us through his divine power. So Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I love that, right? Because again, it take, it takes the message of grace and just slams you over the head with the fact that by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not you, it's God. And it's not because of your works. And I love that because all too often, again, we go, okay, God, I'm saved. But now I better start acting like a Christian. I better start finding the formula on how to live the Christian life. It's not a result of works so that nobody may boast. And I'm sure you've seen this in the Christian walk. I'm sure you've seen this where people will do good things, they will do wonderful things that are all good, but cannot save you, have no contribution to your standing with God, and they will get uplifted. They will be told, "Oh wow, you are you are the gold standard of what it means to be a Christian. Man, I wish I could be like you." And then in that very moment, when you start looking at people and saying, whoa, if only I could be like that. Man, man, if only I could have the spirit like they have the spirit. Do you see what you've done? You've looked away from Jesus and you've started looking at a person, a flawed human being that is in the flesh rather than our perfect savior. So we need to realize that our works do not contribute. But I love this, this next verse, it follows right after he says, it's not a result of works. He said, for we, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen to that. He says, it's not a result of works, but then he says, we've been created for good works. But then he says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is something God prepared, the good works God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when we receive grace, when we are implanted with his spirit, we are also given and equipped for the good works which God prepared beforehand. And we walk in them because of him, because of his grace, which has the power to transform. So I want to end with one verse. It's going to be a little shorter podcast today, but I want to end with one verse that says, from 1 Corinthians 12, that says, My grace is sufficient for you, For my power is made perfect in weakness. And I love that because when we start viewing ourselves as strong in our own strength, we lose sight of just how much we need God's grace. But when we realize that really to live is Christ and to die is gain, and when we really realize that without him, we are absolutely nothing. Without his grace, we are absolutely nothing. Only then, in that in that weakness, will we understand just how marvelous and how spectacular his grace is and how sufficient it is. Man, I look at my life and I think about uh, before I was walking with Christ, before I had received salvation and it's amazing because I grew up in a Christian home, and I, I I definitely understood the gospel at a young age, but there was definitely a struggle for me to fully commit. Um, I was like the church in Revelation, where it says, you know, you're neither hot nor cold, you're you're just lukewarm, right? I I had heard the gospel, I let it sit in my head for a while, but I never I never received it, and it's it's an incredible thing. To, uh, to realize that the place that I was in, I was going to church, I was reading my Bible, I was doing all the good Christian things. None of that, none of that matters. None of that saves you. None of that contributes even slightly to your standing with God. Because when Jesus died on that cross, he, he brought in a new covenant. A new covenant that, that basically says, look, you could not keep the law. I think in somewhere in Hebrews, it says that the old covenant, the reason the new covenant exists is not because there was anything wrong with the old covenant, but there was something wrong with us. God says, I had to start a new covenant because I found fault in the people who kept the old one or who attempted to keep the old one, right? So the problem is us. We are the problem. The covenant was not the problem. The law is not the problem. The law is perfect and beautiful and holy. But we have a problem with keeping it. And that's what makes Jesus so spectacular. And when you receive that salvation, you should just feel an immense weight drop off your back. Because in that moment, in that moment, whether or not it's a tangible moment or not, it, it's not always tangible for some people. But in that moment of receiving salvation, you have Everything that you need. Everything. The grace of God appeared, bringing salvation for all people and training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. For by grace you have been saved through faith. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Listen, everybody, my message is is the same pretty much consistently. I might take a different approach on it. I might try to bring out different elements of it. But the truth of the matter is grace, 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 and more grace. When we try to add anything to that, when we try to say anything pointing the finger back at us. But what if I, but what if I sin? But what if I don't keep his commandments? But what if I do this? What if I don't pray enough? What if I don't go to church? We're again, looking away from Jesus and back to ourselves. We need to realize that when God sent his son, and when Jesus died on that cross, bearing all the sins of the world, once and for all, God started a new covenant and created a new covenant between him and He swore on himself that he would keep this covenant. It's not up to us. It's not about us. We are swept up in something that is so remarkable and so amazing. And it's something that we could never, ever damage. If you are in Christ, God says that no one can snatch you out of his hand. And I'm just blown away by this. And here at Frontline Strength, where I I build people up in three layers of strength, spiritual, mental, and physical, this layer is the most important, and it all comes from the message of grace. Because when you understand grace, when you understand that it's not just something that saves you, but it's also something that gives you everything you need to live a godly life, only then... Will you be able to fully rest? And only through that rest will you be able to experience the goodness of God in your life. If you're focused on doing and you're focused on being, you're not focused on Christ. But if you're focused on Christ and what he's already done, and what he's already been, and who he already is from eternity past all the way into eternity future, And when you realize that you have him inside of you and you not only have him, you have all the attributes of him, man, that changes everything. So I hope you found this helpful. I hope it's been encouraging. I hope it hasn't been too much just me rambling because I feel like I sometimes do ramble a bit. But what I'm trying to communicate to you is that grace saves you, grace equips you and grace causes you to change. So stop looking. Stop looking and seeking something to help you be a better Christian. Stop feeling guilty when you skip Sunday church. Stop feeling guilty if you forget to pray and realize that your salvation has nothing to do with those things. And trust that the Spirit of God lives within you. Because when you trust that and you're in tune with that, the renewing of the mind takes place. And through that process of daily reminding yourself who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, not of your own works, but of faith in him, that's what causes you to live and act and breathe differently. It's a wonderful thing and it's something everybody should enjoy. And if you find that rest or if you need help finding that rest, please talk to me. I would love to encourage you more in this this journey, right? When you receive salvation, you're as close to God as you could ever get. So most people, even Christians, don't understand this rest. They're always going, 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 trying to be better, trying to live differently, trying to put away sin. How can you kill something that's already dead? How can you add to something that's already been done? I just don't get it. And I want to help people to understand that grace really is the end-all be-all. And the only message that the church of Christ should be preaching is the message of grace every single Sunday, because it's much easier for us to know that we're sinners, to hear that we're sinners. We don't need to hear it every Sunday. What we do need to hear is that we're pure, we're cleansed, and we're forgiven. And when we hear that, that's what really transforms us. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And stay tuned for the next one. I'm going to try to be talking about uh, something fitness-related next time. So, hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. It's a wonderful season where we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ coming up here. And I am so excited to celebrate Christmas this year because I have grown so much in my faith this past year. And, man, Christmas just has an even stronger meaning to me this year. So I love you all. Keep growing stronger. Talk to you next time.